Introducing Bluehost Cloud, ultra-fast WordPress hosting with 100% uptime. Want a website with unmatched power, speed, and control? Of course you do. And now you can have all three with Bluehost Cloud, the new web hosting plan from Bluehost. With 100% uptime and incredibly speedy load times, your WordPress websites will be dependable and lightning fast on a global scale. Plus, your sites can handle even the biggest traffic spikes without going down or lagging. And with Bluehost Cloud, you get 24-7 WordPress priority support, meaning you're connected to WordPress experts anytime you need them. Not to mention, you automatically get daily backups and world-class security. So, what are you waiting for? Get Bluehost Cloud today by visiting bluehost.com. That's bluehost.com. I'm Mina Starziak-Hawk, and this is Mina AF, where I answer all of your questions and you can ask me anything. Can we talk about money? Can you still breastfeed with implants? You're both boss moms, and I'd love to know the story of how you met. Literally anything any of you want to hear. Listen as we build a community and get to know each other better. Hey guys, today my guest is Roberta Riga. She is a Silicon Valley-based executive coach and leadership development consultant. Tons of experience over 25 years, and she's partnered with, I, 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 there's like hundreds of companies on your website that says, I mean, Google, <laughs> yes. like all the big ones that you could think of, you've worked with, and kind of, I guess, through mindset conditioning and the EQ, you help position workplace challenges as opportunities for deep transformation. Is that fairly accurate? That is very accurate. Thank you. Okay. And we met because you uh, worked with Google when my brother was there, right? That's right. I worked with your brother, yes. And he had amazing things to say. And suggested that that we talk. You know, it, it was obviously a very different environment. I guess, how much do you work with individuals like me versus, you know, big companies like Google bringing you in to work with their leadership teams? Yeah, that's a great question. I work with all different size companies. So I work with, you know, three-person startups and I work with large companies like Google. So to me, it doesn't really matter the size of the organization or frankly, the business that the, the company's mm-hmm. in. It's really more about the person. And, you know, I always say I'm kind of, um, you know, company and functionally agnostic, yeah. meaning that I really partner with the, the person that happens to inhabit a particular role in a particular organization. And so it doesn't really matter to me. So I, I all sort, all different types of, of organizations and sizes. And anytime I talk about you, which is quite frequently, it's in almost every speaking engagement I oh. do. <laughs> and for me, it felt kind of like, I was like, you know, it's leadership coaching, but it really kind of was like a therapist, like a business therapist, because you kind of, you, you get to a lot of deep rooted, why do we do these things, which oftentimes are based in much more like deep rooted emotional family patterns or, you know, people patterns, men, pa- whatever the patterns are. I guess I just want to make sure people don't think it's like this one size fits all. Like you send a questionnaire and they answer questions and, you know, it's you pop <laughs> out your A, B, or C personality type and now act right. It's was much more in depth than that. So to go back a little bit for you all, um, my brother who was at Google met Roberta and had amazing things to say about her. And he, since I started Two Chicks and a Hammer. Since before there was a show, bless his heart, has been trying to be a sounding board, help me grow as as a company, as a person. And, you know, much to his chagrin, my mom and I rarely took any of his advice. (laughs) And, you know, to the point the company was 
what this was a year and a half ago, obviously I was still in the show. There was just a lot of things in flux and a lot of things that I felt I wasn't doing well enough. I wasn't feeling confident in myself about the things I was doing. And I, I think probably just generally it felt like a lot of flailing, like mentally and emotionally mm -hmm. in the business. And so when CR suggested I talk to you and I reached out, I, I it was pretty immediate that I was like, yes, I, I want I want to do this. How do we do this? What do we do? <laughs> and you kind of have it's it, like I said, it's not a one size fits all. So you, for us, you know, after we talked, um, and you asked what my my budget was, which is always a fun topic mm -hmm. on this personal development, and I just <laughs> want to make a note on this because I think that's something that I am not alone in struggling with the like investing in yourself, taking care of yourself because it feels kind of selfish. Mm -hmm. Do you feel like you get that from other individuals that are taking this on themselves versus like the bigger company? Yeah, it's it's interesting because, and I will say generally with women, yeah. right? Women in leadership roles, because we tend to put ourselves last or we tend to kind of devalue the investment we make in ourselves. And so, yes. And honestly, I, I will get that too when people aren't used to or have not had experiences previously with coaches because they're not sure what to mm -hmm. expect. And that's super understandable. And, 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 and so it's almost a difficult, it's a little bit of a leap of faith yeah. in making that investment, not just financially, but really what you were kind of alluding to is, is you had and have an amazing openness to self-exploration, to being transparent, to kind of pushing your comfort edge to going there. And I think for any individual, whether they're a you know, executive leader or just, you know, a, a, a person without, you know, any kind of like formal role like that, that openness to self-exploration and that investment in self, that's just going to pay off in dividends just for life, you know, not necessarily just in a business role. Well, and I feel like it might be where the individuals you're working with, like, do you find that when it is individuals that they're investing in themselves, do they tend to take the process a little more seriously than when it's, you know, on their company's dime and it's something that's been kind of like given to them or made made them do? Yeah. Interestingly, not necessarily. I mean, I think anyone who does, yeah, it's good because I think to me, coaching done right and the engagement done successfully does mean that the, you know, the, 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 the person being coached again is willing to go there to places mm -hmm. that are kind of uncomfortable in terms of discovery and, you know, insights into some of their patterned ways of, of reacting or their conditioning. And so if someone's willing to do that, they're mm -hmm. in it, they're in the journey. So yeah, I think they, take it seriously. And for me, I don't like to work with people who don't want to go there because it's not going to be a super successful or fun engagement for me. And so yeah. I think everyone who I've worked with so far has taken it seriously. And sometimes upfront in the first couple of sessions, it might be clear to me, this is kind of rare, few and far between, but it might be clear that someone is not really that engaged or it's been suggested by their manager, mm -hmm. right, that they they do coaching. And in that way, I, I just, you know, just suggest that we stop that engagement because there, it's not going to be a good investment mm -hmm. of time or or money. So that kind of, I think, leads to the next, um, when we were having those initial conversations and you asked what my budget was and I was like, I, d I don't, I don't have a, you know, a self-improvement mm -hmm. budget. I don't think that way. And again, like you said, I think it's more of a, a thing with women versus men. But part of it was because you felt like I actually was really invested and wanted to make some changes that you don't have a one-size-fits-all model. Like you felt like I was in very invested and so female entrepreneur. I felt like you made some accommodations for me that 
I'm sure you mm-hmm. make for other people as well, but really allowed me to do the process um, in a way that was still, uh, you know, a financial investment in myself, but one that I could actually attain and do and afford. And because in my mind, it, there's not a budget because I'm barely making payroll and I'm barely doing this and I'm barely <laughs> doing that. And really understanding that, yes, I don't have a budget for this, but if I don't do this, then I'm not going to be barely making payroll. I'm not going to have a company anymore because I can't keep doing the same thing I've been doing over and over again. Yeah, it's interesting. And so, you know, for me, because I you know, started my career in-house in, you know, as a leader in various companies, I really empathize with women in leadership roles and in business. And so I really want to promote and support women in that way. So for me, that's important, number one. And then what you're just saying, Mina, is that this recognition that the biggest lever that any of us have is our way of being is our self-awareness, is our ability to kind of understand how we're processing information, how our perceptions may be shaped by the, the early life experiences, how we can kind of shift the way we process so that we might not be as emotionally reactive. The lever of, of who you are and how you show up as a leader is the biggest place of investment for any business organization. I know I know the answer to this, but I can't remember it. You talking makes me think like, yes, she is my, she's my therapist. Your background, like Mm -hmm. business, I feel like you have a psychology degree, but I don't think you do. What is your like educational background? Yeah, well, I actually do have a psychology degree. You do? Okay, that that (laughs) makes sense. (laughs) (laughs) I have my undergrad is in psychology um, from UC Berkeley, which is I think where CR went. Is that right? Yeah. And then my master's is in organization development, but the the, the majority of my my work life, um, you know, since you know from from the early years, has really been on on leadership and how leaders show up mm-hmm. and how and so yes, I do obviously bring in my my okay. my psychology background, but yeah. Warmer, sunnier days are calling, and you can fuel up for them with Factors No Prep No Mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh Never Frozen Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great tasting meals. Make today the day you kickstart a new healthy routine. What are you waiting for? With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. With delicious options from breakfast to dessert, you can stay fueled all day long with easy and nutritious options. Plus, with premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon, Factor meals are a real treat. I love the convenience and the variation of Factor's different meal preferences. Whether it's managing calories, maximizing protein, or avoiding meat, crush your goals this May with Factor. Head to factormeals.com slash MinaAF50 and use code MinaAF50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code MinaAF50 at factormeals.com slash MinaAF50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Yeah. So I want to talk about the process a little bit, and I'll just kind of give the, the broad strokes. We worked together for six months, and the two big chunks were the EQ, which is kind of like the emotional intelligence, and then my 360. So what? how, how should we tackle mm-hmm. these? You want to yeah. 
talk about one or the other first? Sure. Yeah. Well, let's talk about the 360 first. So the 360 feedback is really what it is. And what that means is that, you know, what we, what we partnered on is identifying a set of questions to ask the stakeholders, all of the people around you, the people that reported to you, some of your partners, right? So that we can understand how you are showing up and how you're affecting those stakeholders in relationship and giving you more insight and awareness into how your behaviors and how you're leading are impacting and being perceived by those stakeholders. So that's the 360 feedback. And I almost think of that for any person as such a gift because we all sort of walk around with our own image of this is how I think I'm showing up or this is how I think I I am. And a lot of times it's not Wholly accurate. <laughs> I, I think I would say 100% for all of us is never wholly accurate because yes. we can all, you know, we're, we're in our own fishbowl, right? So we can't really yes, see exactly. ourselves in that way. And I think that's one of the things that the process with you has, I have been able to apply to every area of my life. It's not just my work, which is again why I keep going back to it. it felt like therapy. It improved my relationship with my husband, mm-hmm. it improved my communication with my kids mm-hmm. because I just became so much more self aware. And I think my process for my 360 was maybe a little bit different than like typical like corporate work environments because I had so much friend and family overlap. Mm -hmm. So these people that I was getting feedback from, there was, even if I want to, you know, set it aside, there's this different emotional connection than just a coworker. So we drafted 10 questions. So first question is, what are Mina's areas of leadership strength? That's kind of like the broad funnel question. And then when people would say, you know, variety of strengths, then I'd go back and ask, well, which ones are the most valuable for two checks and a hammer success? And so this way they're able to kind of prioritize uh, and you're able to see what they believe are the most valuable assets. And then the flip side question was, what are Mina's areas for leadership development? Again, very broad question. And then they would list a couple of things and say, okay, which is the most important area of focus that if she leveled up on it would create the biggest value add for the organization and for the business. Third question that we came up with was describe Mina's communication style. And then the follow-up question is how could it be even more effective? So they provided suggestions. And then fourth question was what could Mina do to shift from the doer approach to a more higher level leader as the business and the organization scales? And this was really around you know, your intention to kind of take the business to the next level and some of the things that came out of that, right? You know, like delegating and uh, things like that. I'm a control Um, freak. I want to do everything myself. And (laughs) if you want to grow a business, you just can't. It's not possible. Exactly. I think that kind of gives you you, you all the idea. It is So it was really for Roberta to be able to get this ideally thoughtful and true feedback from the people closest to me in the work environment. And because, like I said, that was a lot of overlap of friends and family. So those questions were posed to them. And the next step was you asking me questions, right, of what my goals were? Yeah. So so based on the, this 360 and, and just kind of add on to what you're saying, like one of the questions that we asked that I asked with, with all the 360s is, you know, what might you not have been fully aware of in terms of your impact or how you're showing up as a leader that would help you from where you were more aware? And the fact that you're saying that a lot of the people that we included in this 360 were friends and family, that again, this just speaks to your ability to be vulnerable and your openness with it because that, that can be tough. So based on all the feedback that we got, I basically aggregated people's comments into patterns and themes under each question. And when we went through it, Mina, the idea was to, to get your your take and your resonance, what stands out for you, where do you see the patterns, 
of responses? Where do you see that the energy lies around which types of themes or areas? And then asking you, you know, so based on this, and also on the EQ, based on this, like what a couple of specific development goals that you want to address in a more structured way. And those are what we came up with. So that the areas of improvement really was creating a more psychologically safe and positive work environment because I think um, we can go over some of the feedback, but I'm a bull in a china shop. I think that was actually the words on one of the feedback, (laughs) which in some of the things, which is funny because it is friends and family. I'm like, eh, maybe Corey said that. I've heard him say that before. It could have been my mom. But again, it it doesn't really matter. It doesn't matter who's saying it. It's how you're perceived. And so many times how you're acting and how you're perceived are completely misaligned. So being able to get this feedback for everyone, I'm trying to go over to the the actual the 360, which is mm-hmm. you know it's it's 12 pages, it's pretty lengthy, but it was really nice. So Roberta got to talk to all these people, ask these questions, not just in writing. It wasn't you know an email shot out with questions, and someone gets to flippantly shoot back an answer because they don't want to type a whole lot, which requires those other people also to be invested and buy into the growth and the change and the development you're trying to do and. Do you feel like most of the people you talk to in my world were? I do feel like that. And it is, a, like you're saying, a live conversation because I can understand more of the nuance, ask some more follow-up questions, get some specific examples to, you know, to, to help you read into what the feedback is. So I do feel like... Uh, almost everyone was like was very open, and you know we we all walk around with our perceptions, right? Of 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 how we're we're reading other people, and so, so some people had different views, but I think everyone was very open, and that also is a testament to you. Meaning that when I get respondents in a three sixty that are not very open, then you know it's uh there, there's that that relationship rift is already there, right? Or that trust is already broken, and so. With you, I think uh, almost everyone was very forthcoming. Um, so yeah, it was, it was good engagement. I do want to, I can't remember which email in the timeline. I was looking through all our old emails again to prepare for this. And very early on, I think it was two weeks into this process. So the 360 we did pretty early on. So we might have already done this. But very, very early in the process, my sister came to me at home bawling and put in her two weeks because of me. In her mind, it was because of me. So whether I felt like it was or not, that's what it was. And it was crushing for me because I felt like I've created such a terrible place for my sister to be that she's crying and she can't do it anymore and she's leaving. And that was also at the same time that Alexa, the second person that was kind of on my executive uh, level of you know my five-person team, uh, was close to having a baby and was going to be going out for maternity leave. And I had a feeling felt very similar. And there's an email I shot off to you, Roberta, that said something to the effect of, well, my sister just walked in and put her two weeks notice. Don't know what I'm going to do. Fuck. <laughs> That's how I ended the email. And I was like, oh, I mean, I just got really close and really open very early on with you. Yep. Yep. And and it's a, and it's a really good thing. Again, it's a really good thing because that that allows that allowed us to work together more deeply, more quickly, kind of accelerate the way that we could go deeper on working with some of these things that were happening. Yeah, for we you. went into crisis mode pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yes, we did. And at the same time, in the bigger picture, this was actually the transition 
and the journey that you were on, which was yeah. almost like more professionalizing your business, right? Yeah. And moving yeah. a little bit away from, um, not to take away from friends and family, but but moving a little bit away from that. Yeah, and, I think a lot of startups end up doing that. Like you, you're, you're utilizing the resources that are close to you that you have. And Absolutely. my company would not exist if it weren't for all the people that helped along the way that aren't with the company anymore. So mm-hmm. I always want to make sure that, you know, it's it's weird because people who care about me have all these feelings like, oh, your sister quit. She bailed on you. I'm like, she did what she needed to do for mm-hmm. herself and her sanity and her self-preservation. And I'm. it was hard. It was very hard. And it was the right thing to do. And it forced me out of my comfort zone and it made me better, which made my business better. So I think so many of the things that we put off because they are big and scary are really the things that make make the biggest impact. And our relationship was suffering. We, She didn't like me anymore. And this was over a year ago. And we're just getting back to the point where, you know, we do regular coffee and it's not there's not all those weird things that we're being held on to. Like, was this your fault? Was it my fault? You messed up my business. You messed up the business. You know, Hmm. all those things that are hard feelings not to think that have kind of settled now. And I think we have, it's, it's a much better place. So again, from a very, very uncomfortable place, very early on, there was a lot of movement and forward progress in, in my development. Mm -hmm. And I think, if I hadn't started the process with you, it could have really, really gone a different direction because I didn't feel like I had anyone that was a sounding board that didn't have some ulterior motive and not even a bad mm-hmm. one. Like my husband's is to love me and to make me not cry and to make me smile. So he's going to say the things that do that, which sometimes aren't what I need to hear. Yeah. And what you're really speaking to, you're speaking to so many great things, I mean, but one of them is this ability for us to view what's happening as terrible or, you know, difficult as it is in the moment in the larger framing of this, this is a gift, right? And I know in the moment, right, when you said, fuck, of course, (laughs) you're not It doesn't feel like a gift, Roberta. (laughs) What a great gift. (laughs) I don't know how to run payroll. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But what it what it created for you, well, for your sister, it, like you're saying, she did what she needed to do, which was the right thing for her. And for you, it created this, this gift and this opportunity for development, this opportunity for you to kind of take things to a different level, to kind of reinforce a transition that you were making with your business. And so at the end of the day, if we can take things as there is something um, new, better, different than what's to emerge from the situation. And as difficult as it is, trusting that there's this kind of universal flow that's happening and being able to let go, to let come, that kind of thing, I think is great. And then the other thing you mentioned is it's always helpful when leaders have that external coach because having a, a thought partner, having somebody to kind of process some emotional challenges with that, like you're saying, doesn't have a different role in your life, right? Is really just there to be your support and, mm-hmm. and your sounding board. It's always helpful. Exactly. And I think um, because of the state of my business, how I've, I mean, I'm the only one that's responsible for how it's you know, developed and gone awry or, you know, any of those things. You know, everyone gets to share the good credit, but the bad really is, it's 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 me. I have, the, you know, the fish stinks from the head down. But I think I was at the time really in a place where I was not trusting myself at all because, you know, I had I, I mean, I would every day I feel like I'm being gaslit. I'm like, am I crazy? I know I'm crazy, but I don't think I'm that crazy that they're saying I am. And, you know, this idea of like imposter syndrome. And mm-hmm. I, I was definitely struggling with that. So 
And I think a lot of people probably do. So I'd love you to talk a little bit about that and how you work through it and how, I mean, ideally what I would like people to be able to take away from this episode is, you know, not everyone's going to be able to go through the process that I did with you, but, you know, have these little snippets of things they can do or, you know, mantras they can say to help reflect and slow down. And um, so when other people are feeling that, like, what, what, what are some thoughts you have on it? Yeah, it's great. So the the imposter syndrome, it's it's so interesting because in all of my experience, obviously my own and with everyone I've worked with, uh, my my kind of read on the imposter syndrome is that we all have it and that it is actually part of the human condition. And some of us identify it as imposter syndrome and some of us just identify it as maybe a lack of confidence or a self-questioning, but we all have it, whether we say it that way or not. And I would say, especially with women in leadership roles. And like you're saying, being business, business owners, that certainly can be more prominent at certain times. And so one of the things that I would suggest for anybody is when you start to feel that sense of, you know, maybe I'm not enough, or maybe I'm, I can't you know, do it, or maybe I'm not the right person, or maybe I'll be found out that I can't, you know, whatever the translation is in, in our own head. In that moment, it's just number one is like recognize ah, this is part of the human condition. We all have this. This is not just me, right? I'm not like alone in this. And that's like the first recognition. And the second is to actually take a moment and instead of going down the rabbit hole of like that that spiral that we all are familiar with about how that can go into a really negative place or just acting quickly out of it to get out of the, the discomfort of that feeling, just be with it. And what I mean by that is take the 30 or 60 seconds to just feel into that feeling of imposter syndrome. What is the emotion that's connected with it? Where in your body are you feeling it? Because every type of emotion that we're having or internal reactivity that we're having has a physical and physiological component to it. And our bodies never lie. So it's going to be somewhere. And another way to think about it is what's activated in your body? Like where are you experiencing some tightness, some heat, some, you know, some movement and breathing into that area. So almost like a visually breathing into that area while you allow yourself to feel the oftentimes anxiety associated Mm -hmm. with that imposter syndrome and not to bounce out of it or sweep it under the rug or get out of it because it's so uncomfortable, but just be with it for 30 seconds, 60 seconds if you can. Because as we do that process of like tuning inward to just be with whatever that um, uncomfortable ex- experiences, emotion that's coming up, we're able to process it through. And once we do that, we'll, we'll see that that intensity of that anxiety, I'm going to call it, dissipates a little bit. And that's the place where we can then consciously bring in our, our, you know, kind of our better mind and say, okay, what is this telling me? And what information am I getting? And what, if anything, do I want to do about this? And in that way, we, we not only not store that anxiety cellularly right in our system but we were able to come from a, a better place of grounded clarity and judgment to decide well what do I want here do I want some uh, some coaching do I want to you know do a different role do I want to ask for help like whatever it is is going to come from a place that is um, has has better wisdom and judgment associated mm-hmm. to it does that make sense oh totally the show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all have different stressors, some big, some small, that we carry around and that really weigh us down. And when we keep them bottled up, it can start to have a negative effect on us. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever it is that's weighing you down. For me, therapy has been so helpful, really learning those positive coping skills 
and to be the best version of myself. I know myself better and how to set the right boundaries that really work for me. So if you're thinking about starting therapy, then give BetterHelp a try. It's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule, and it's entirely online. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash AF today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash AF. And I think that segue, everything you just said, is a really good time to kind of go into the EQ assessment, which it's, I mean, if you think of like an IQ, you guys, this is your emotional intelligence assessment. And because so many of these decisions that you make are based on your emotional intelligence, this was my favorite thing we did in the whole process, Roberta, because it's so interesting Mm. and introspective. And I watched videos. And then I had to answer a question about the videos. That's the short version of how the information is gathered, correct? Mm-hmm. And I remember um, immediately after I did it, before I, you had aggregated the, the information, there was one video, it was like eight minutes long, and it's a work setting and this guy comes into his boss and he is just rambling. And he's like, I don't feel good and I think I need to do this. And within three seconds, I was so annoyed. I was like, shut up. Say you're sick and you need to go home. And you were like, uh-huh. Yeah. And the questions about those videos are, were you feeling yourself getting you know, frustrated? Were you being impatient? And so as I'm answering the questions, I was like, okay, whatever is aggregated here is going to say something very strongly about my need for immediacy and you're using way too many words. So like the page three of the assessment that has the pretty grid, I would love you mm-hmm. to you, you explain it so well. Yeah. It's emotional intelligence um, or emotional quotient is what EQ is short for. And it is like the, like the IQ, but really around our emotions. And the chart that Mina is referring to is this pie chart in this particular tool that, that I use, this EQ profile. And it basically has seven different dimensions of emotional intelligence. And so with Mina, you know, we basically, we just went through each of the dimensions. One is access to range of feelings, which tells us based on the responses to those videos, uh, the breadth of different emotions that we are accessing um, while we are, you know, witnessing or, or you know, being in a, a, you know, a dialogue or an experience with somebody else who's having a particular reaction. The second dimension is positive negative orientation, which tells us basically, are we looking at the world through glass half full or glass half empty lens? And there's an ideal ratio of positive to negative. And, you know, there's no good or bad in this. This is just insight into our internal experience when we come up against stress, conflict, challenge, or change. And that's what this EQ profile is looking at. The third dimension is around self versus other orientation. And this is, this is mostly around where do we go first to understand what's happening in a stressful situation? Um, do we go inside ourselves? Do we go to the other or to the environment first? And then what is sort of the, the emotional responsibility that we're taking for what's happening in that situation to you know, kind of alleviate any, any you know, discord in the relationship? And the, the fourth dimension is balanced reliance on thoughts, wants, and feelings. And what this is looking at is in the time of challenge or stress or, cha- or conflict, 
what modality do we prefer to process in? You know, is it our thoughts, intellect, analyzing? Is it our wants, which is I know what needs to happen, what needs to happen, or I'm really quick to you know to to know what I want, what result I want, or is it our feelings? I'm going to you know evaluate what's happening based on how I'm feeling, and the the other two are aspects of empathy, and one is empathy accuracy, which is you know, we all walk around with, with perceptions of other people or why other people are, are what they're feeling, what they're experiencing, why they're, what their motivations are. Empathy accuracy is a gauge on how, um, how accurate we are in those reads. And so the basis of this is, I know what you're feeling or I know what you're experiencing and, you know, and I'm right about it. Uh, and then empathy compassion is what we typically think of as empathy, which is I can feel what you're feeling, right? I, I, I feel the experience of that emotion or that situation. So those are seven of the, the dimensions in the EQ. There's a few others, but I'll kind of stop there. And then it also created the chart that's the, the feelings, um, feelings distribution. And I think right. this had some of what I thought was, I think also what you thought was Interesting. So pretty much it goes through the the, the seven emotions. Actually, I'll let you explain it. You'll be better at it. <laughs> sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. So this particular uh, EQ is a profile tool has you know, seven core human emotions that we all need, right? And we all have to, to, to be functioning human beings. And those seven emotions are anger, anxiety, fear, joy, love, sadness, and shame. And it's really interesting because five of the seven, we can consider distressing emotions, right? Anxiety, anger, fear, sadness, and shame. And so this is basically looking at while you were watching those videos, which of these emotions were you accessing in those moments? And so the, you know, each emotion has a gift associated with it. And if, if the access is significantly higher than the ideal or lower than the ideal, then there's opportunity to look at what does that mean? and What is your patterned or conditioned way of responding uh, or reacting internally? And then how can we work on that to give you more insight into you know, what's going on for you in those moments of challenge or conflict or stress, gain more self-awareness around that, process through that emotion, and then you know, again, be in a place where you can be more intentional about what you want to choose to do or how you want to act or behave. And so the whole premise of this EQ profile is, again, what's happening for us internally in stress and conflict and challenge or change. And accessing a certain emotion is different than being aware of it, and is that's different than how we are behaving externally. And I think because it is, it brought, it brought to the surface for me, like I can see it in a grid and then there's an explanation. It didn't change necessarily how often or how much or how strongly I feel any of those emotions, but because it was on paper and I saw it, I'm more aware when I make decisions, oh, am I making this because I think it's the right decision or I'm making it because I don't access fear nearly as much as any other human should and I'm not understanding the risk. Like, and even having that thought process, even if I go forward with the decision, it made me pause. So I think, I don't know if there's a way to give, you know, a, a cliff notes of what mine was with some of like the interesting points that help explain sure. some of my, like maybe my past behaviors and the things that I was trying to work on with my executive coaching that just really kind of trickles into every part of my life. Yeah. And, 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 and again, thank you for being open and, and, you know, for kind of sharing about your profile. So, um, so you kind of mentioned this earlier, Minette, so anger showed up as like 90th percentile, mm -hmm. right? which, which really, which really means that in a room of a hundred people, you would be quicker to access internal anger than, you know, 90 other people. Some of the 
synonyms for anger would be frustration, irritation, right? Annoyance. And so there's a gift though associated with accessing anger when it's warranted. And the gift of accessing anger for us is motivation, direction, and boundary setting. And so, you know, you, you can talk a little bit about like how that, you know, how anger shows up for you or how it showed up, how it did show up for you when you weren't as aware of what was going on for you. But, but it can show up as, you know, um, very highly critical. It can show up as kind of, you know, uh, kind of drawing the boundary much more quickly. And I think that is very much how it showed up for me. And it kind of goes into that control, control freak title. I, and I still, I still get frustrated when things aren't done the way I think is right or the most efficient. And my mantra, I probably say it, you know, five times a week, my need for immediacy is not shared by the general population. And that just helps me even saying it, saying it out loud slows mm-hmm. me down. I'm like, okay, am I getting annoyed just because I am a super hyper human and I need to acknowledge that other people shouldn't be expected to be able to move at this pace? Or am I being reasonable and this person did not do what they should have done in the time allotted? And it's just that active thought process that I think has made a huge switch in that particular, like, I, I was still, I still get very angry and annoyed and frustrated, mm-hmm. but I don't um, act on it quite as much. Yeah. And it's, it's so great because you, and what you're talking about really is the ability to be aware of when we're having an internal reaction, whether it's anger or fear or, you know, or, or shame or whatever that is and stop and own it and process it in a way without judgment, without resistance, but, but, but really owning that feeling of it and, and allowing it to kind of process through our, our system and then choosing how we want to respond to it. And the other thing that, that you're saying, which is so great, Mina, is um, what are the things that are our aspects to work on will always be those same things. So it's not that, oh, you know, I'm cured now of this. Do you know what I mean? It's, mm-hmm. it's more that w- the, the, the patterns of uh, how we react to, to stress and challenge and conflict are really formed in us very early on. We don't choose those things. They're based on um, our early socialization, our early family life experiences, our, our you know, epigenetics, right? Our, our the predisposition of our genes with the environmental factors, uh, with life experiences that reinforce those ways of being and those lenses of perception or, or, or um, patterns of response that, that, that we kind of ingrain in ourselves. So we don't choose it. But what we can do mm-hmm. and through this process is understand it. Like, what is that lens? What is that pattern response? And, and really owning it. And so the the beauty of it is we can shift how we are with what we're experiencing, but those things yeah. that we work on are always going to be those things for us. It'll just be easier and it'll get right. It'll, it'll be faster to process through it. And you'll, you, you gain more wisdom with that awareness and ownership and more agency. Yeah. And I think particularly for me, you know, seeing that, seeing that number and making me reflect on that, my dad is 75 and he's a, a different human. He's, he's tired. He's older. <laughs> but my childhood, there, a lot of people very quick to anger. Like it's immediate mm-hmm. annoyance, mm-hmm. anger. You did this wrong. And while, you know, I, my parents loved me and they took good mm-hmm. care of me, that was something that that I know is something that I learned from a very young age. So I just try to be more aware about it because the feeling does still come up. I just try to do better about how I handle it. Mm-hmm. So maybe just going through the other ones a little. Yeah, I, I, I will. And I think one of the 
really important takeaways that that I had with all of this work early on and that I still go to is something that, you know, some people might know or not know this name, but John Kabat-Zinn is the father of modern day mindfulness. Um, and one of the things that, that I always go to is what's most important is not what's happening, but how we are with what's happening. Mm -hmm. Because how we are with what's happening, our internal way of how we are with what's happening, that's creating the life experience, the felt lived experience for us. It's not necessarily the thing that's happening in front of us or the person, right, that's triggering our our anger, um, but it's how how we can um, translate, filter, you know, own process and and perceive what's happening, our way of being with whatever's happening. So the anger for you was clearly one that, that, you know, you tapped into to, to work on another one. I mean, anxiety was, it was a little bit lower for you as well, which was at like, like the 22nd percentile. And what that really is looking at the gift of feeling anxiety is clarity and seeking clarity. And so when we're lower in accessing anxiety, we tend to act a little prematurely. Right? We tend to. <laughs> I knew you'd laugh at that. Yeah. One. <laughs> we, we we tend because the way that we unconsciously as humans manage down our internal anxiety is one of two ways. Usually, taking action because taking action feels more empowering, right, than sitting in anxiety, or being very kind of um, perfectionistic, right, and have compulsive tendencies, which is a controlling piece of it. And sometimes we do both of those. But yeah, for you, that was another piece that the learning is when I'm feeling that anxiety, stop, right? Slow it down, right? And not not take action prematurely. The third feeling here was was fear. And you mentioned this a few minutes ago. Yours was access to fear was super low, right? It was like two and a half in terms of percentile. Yes. Two and a half <laughs> people will experience fear after me. Every other human, every other 93 and a half uh, way before me. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, you know, and again, there's no right or wrong to this. It's just information, right? About what's happening for us internally. But um, the gift of accessing fear when it's warranted is safety and protection. And mostly in this day and age, it's safety and protection against emotional vulnerability. And so when we're, when we're not accessing fear, then we're not actually tuning into the risks associated with certain things or certain people or certain situations. And we might be at risk of sort of misstepping or moving forward or not actually protecting ourselves in ways because we don't, we're not getting the clues and cues that access to fear would otherwise give us that, you know, there's something not right with this situation or in this relationship or, or what's happening here. The next two emotions and are joy and love. And in this tool, joy means emotional energy. It's a kind of like your non-relational emotional fuel tank. This is our ability to engage wholeheartedly with our whole being into whatever we're doing. This is our ability to take action, to step into leadership roles, to be resilient when we have, you know, life stressors and things that are getting us down. I think a really um, good snippet while we're on the topic of joy, because you know, we've obviously touched on it that women in self-care, we always put ourselves last. And something that everyone can do that's listening is really reflect on what they do. And one of the things that you pose to me is, you know, what are the things you do that are just for you, that make mm -hmm. you happy? What are the things you love? I was like, well, I mean, you know, I love my kids. I like my dog. And that's not what, I, what you were trying to get at. Like, what are the things that 
rejuvenate me. And I said, you know, I, I love getting massages and I love horseback riding. Mm-hmm. And I think you started at, okay, I want you to do both those things twice a week or something like that. And I was like, yeah, can't do that. Not going to be able to do that. Horseback <laughs> riding is very time consuming. Um, so, you know, but we made a manageable goal. And mm-hmm. to this date, every other week, I don't get to ride nearly as much as I want, Roberta, but every other week I get a massage. And oh, every so other week when I do it, I feel like an asshole. Every, and I've been doing it since we were we, we were a thing. Uh-huh. And still, every week, I leave work, I go get a massage while everyone else is still working, and I feel like a terrible person for it. And I know that that is that's just a feeling I'm going to feel. I'm going to let it go, and I'm going to do it because that's that hour and a half every two weeks, so three hours a month, that's the only me time I ever have. And when I look at it that way, I'm like, that's reasonable. And even, you know, my husband will give me sass every once in a while. He's like, oh, you're going for your massage. You must be real busy today. And I'm like, no, I am. I'm dealing with three lawsuits. I'm losing my mind. And that's why it's even more important to stick to that routine. My working out and that every two weeks is how the only way that I, you know, manage keeping that, you know, that joy level under control, I think. I am so happy to hear that, Mina, that you're continuing to do that because it's so important. And one of the things that we can do, and especially at women, right? So two levels of things we're talking about. The, the, the basic kind of self-care pieces, the self-care essentials are things like, are we sleeping right? Are we eating right? Are we hydrating enough? Um, are we moving well? Are we playing well? Do we have contemplation time? We do have idle time. Those are just like the foundation, the basics of self-care. And what you're talking about here, which which we worked on, and I'm so happy to hear you're still doing these things, is is truly what activities feed your soul and give you joy. And so the fact that that you still do them is a testament to your discipline and your understanding of what will help you be resilient in the long term and what will what makes you a more whole person, if you will. And one of the things that we can all do when we have feel that guilt around, you know, is this selfish and I'm getting massage or getting me time, is reframing self-care for ourselves. So how do you reframe self-care? One of the ways is, you know, in order for me to be my best for the people that I love and the people around me, I need to take care. It's like the oxygen mask. I need to take I'm care really, of I'm getting a massage for you guys. So I'm not an <laughs> a-hole to you. So this is really for everyone else. But yes, put your oxygen mask on first. Yeah. But the other piece is that you're role modeling what it means to have a healthier, more holistic way of living. Do you know? And so it's not like I'm doing this and, you know, I feel like it's, if I'm doing this as a leader as well, then I'm role modeling and signaling that it's actually okay. And it is a good thing to, you know, um, to do things that de-stress us, to do things that, you know, allow us to go the long run in, Mm -hmm. in terms of doing difficult work. Well, and I think a lot of people, as far as, uh, you know, being able to have a takeaway from this, okay, I don't have an hour and a half, or I don't have a job that that's flexible, or I don't have an income that allows for that kind of thing. Like figure out what your thing is that you can do. And if it's, uh, you know, 20 minutes of meditation in the morning, talk to your significant other and say, I really need this 20 minutes. How can we make this work? Is I get up a little bit earlier before the kids are up or, you know, it's I need a bubble bath once a month or, you know, whatever it is, I think it's just important to find something and it's not always going to be able to be, you know, I've made the financial decision to invest in a massage every other month and I don't buy coffee every morning and I don't do my nail or my hair, you know, so whatever your thing is, just I think respecting that and making sure the people around you do because it's so freaking hard as women and even more as moms to 
do to put your oxygen mask on first. It's just not a thing we do. It really is. And it can be small things. It's I'm going to sit for five minutes and have a cup of tea until, you know, quiet, right? I, I'm going to like sit in my, you know, backyard or just walk to the park and just like be in nature for 15 minutes. It doesn't have to be, you know, big expensive things, but it is like what will allow me to feel replenished? You know what I did that was shockingly fulfilling? Frank comes to work with me a lot. It takes about 20 minutes for me to walk to work from my house and I usually drive and my car was in the shop and Brittany offered to give me a ride home and I was like, you know what? I'm going to walk home with Frank. Because it's never quiet. I'm, I'm never not in a conversation or on the phone or answering an email or talking to my kids saying mommy 500 times. And it was a crappy day. It was kind of raining. And I walked home in silence for 20 minutes. And I felt like a different human by the time I got home. It was amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so great. The connection with nature, because when I ask this question of, of you know, of, of the people that I work with, like what gives you joy, inevitably there'll be something on that list that has something to do with outdoors, right? Or nature mm-hmm. or a connection to nature, like you're saying for you, horseback riding. And so that, 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 you know, we are a part of nature, right? We're not separate from it. We're an expression of the planet. And so that, that like reconnection with being in nature, which doesn't cost anything, that is like so like rejuvenating and fulfilling and, and doing that where we're not, you know, ruminating over the problems of the day, but just kind of being present, you know, in that moment, that is self-care. I think the only two left on the, the feelings were sadness and shame. I experience a lot of sadness, which I would never guess. I'm almost 98 percentile and I frequently, you know, if people are followers on Instagram, I'm like, you know, my cold, dead heart, sorry, blah, blah, blah. But apparently that's just a ruse. I access sadness quite well. (laughs) (laughs) You're so funny. So yeah, so sadness is, is sensitivity. Um, to pain and loss, right? Your own and other people's. Now, these are capacities, right? Like whether we allow ourselves to, to be aware of them and utilize them or behave based on those is, is a different thing. But for you, the status was very high and, and it was at, you know, 98th percentile. And so oftentimes what it can signal is we've had, uh, you know, losses in our life. We've had difficulties, right? We've had things that have caused grief and so that we can be quicker to access that level of, 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 you know, sadness or sensitivity. And sometimes it, it, when it's, you know, excessive for a long period of time, I mean, that can also cause it's depleting, right. When we're, when we tap mm-hmm. into it. Um, so yeah, I don't know if you want to, you want to say a little bit about how you experience that sadness or sensitivity. There was a lot of drama and trauma and divorce growing up. Um, you know, since I've been with my husband, he's lost his mm-hmm. best friend, both his parents and his sister. And so they're just, uh, you know, Tad and Jessica, my stepmom, she passed away when when I was in college. So there has been a lot of very sad, traumatic things that that have happened in my life that I think just give you a different perspective because they, you can't not have one. I mean, my husband every day thinks he's going to die. And that makes sense mm. because everyone's died. Like I, mm-hmm. me and his brother are the mm-hmm. only ones left that he loves and our children that haven't died. So even though it's a very outlandish thing for me to think for him to feel because he's incredibly healthy and works out and is good on nutrition and, you know, takes care of himself. But that's a very real feeling for him. Yeah, that's so interesting. And and what you're talking about here is you know profound losses, right? These are profound losses that he's experienced or that you've experienced. We of course carry the residue of those, you know, with us in some way. When I work with really young leaders or like really like 
very young founder CEOs, for example, um, they they might register really low on that just because they have not had life experiences in that way, or maybe their childhood. Just, you know, the unfortunate thing is it doesn't give them that level of sensitivity because that can provide a lot of, of wisdom and connection for us. You know what I've noticed on my own team? We were actually talking about it um, last week. So uh, there are two people on our, my team um, that are husband and wife, and they're older than the rest of us. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm the oldest in the company and I'm 38 other than these two. And then we go down to, oh, I don't know, 26. And everyone was freaking out except the married couple. And I said to Finley and Brittany, I'm like, because they have perspective. They know that yes. what, what these kids are freaking out about is nothing to freak out about. Like, yes. settle down. This is manageable. <sighs> And it just comes – and, you know, there's not like wildly different education levels or it's mm-hmm. just the fact that you have had more experiences. So where this one fits in your grand scheme of experiences is not nearly as bad as you think it is because you're younger. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah. So one of the mailbox questions that I, I do want to touch on because uh, it's they asked what the goals are for the next year for Two Chicks and a Hammer. And the main reason I want to address that is because I don't know and I'm super uncomfortable with it and that's okay cuz there's not anything i can the things i can do about it i'm doing right now i don't know if this podcast is going to take off and support me financially i don't know if you know my real estate brokerage is going to be uh something that's fulfilling and financially supportive for me there's a lot of questions and like i said my husband just left his job and the reason he did that is because he said to me one day this is a whole another line of conversation but he messaged me, uh, texted me one morning and said, I'm really sorry for how I behaved this morning. I'm sad every day and I try not to let it affect you and the mm-hmm. kids. And I was like, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. We have to make some changes about the things we can control. Mm-hmm. And your job mm-hmm. brings you no joy and we can control mm-hmm. that. So let's do something differently. And, you know, so we, we are in this very kind of transitional point in our family life, in both of our business lives. And I don't know what's going to happen in the next year. And I'm a control freak, so that's very challenging for me. And, you know, I I have employees now. And how do I maintain being able to pay those employees? Like, what what is my business? Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, that's just all – that's all the things right now. And I'm just trying not to freak out about them. <laughs> I think one of the most uh, important things you said in, in that, Mina, is – I don't know. And it's okay. Yeah. Right. The it's okay part, because we, of course we all want to, we all want to, you know, what's going to happen? How can I control this? Uh, and the, the reality is we can't control all those things. What we can do is deal with the anxiety and the fear that comes up when we're, you know, kind of trying to control the future <laughs> things and right. And, and tune into, you know, I'm going to trust that I'm going to show up in the best capacity that I have 
in whatever unfolds, whatever happens, I'm going to trust myself and trust the universe. I can show up in that way and deal with and navigate through whatever's going to happen. And what you talked about with your husband, that's, I mean, I see this all the time. It's like, you know, we alternate um, supporting each other in partnership, right? Like no one's ever consistently high or consistently low. Like we, we alternate, like how do, how can we alternate and be support for the other when it, when it, when it's needed? And, and even that, that your husband is going through, that will change because that's the one constant, mm-hmm. right? That will yeah. change. I feel like you've given us so many amazing takeaways and good information, but any, any last things that you did not get to say that you think would be beneficial to all the listeners? Well, well first of all, I just want to thank you because it's been such a pleasure reconnecting with you, Mina. And I'm really, so I'm grateful that you're providing this platform, right? And, and that it really is in support of, of helping, helping you know, everyone. And so I think that's really awesome. I would just say when things get tough, what I often do is zoom way out, right? And look at where we are on this tiny little dot in this ginormous universe and, and gain perspective even from that, right? And so, and, you know, our time on this planet is short. And so is it really worth going into, you know, spirals or reactivity or negativity, or can we just have more compassion and understanding for ourselves and each other? So I would just say, you know, the big picture was really helpful. Well, thank you. It has been absolutely lovely talking with you. You guys, um, in the show notes, we'll put Roberta's information. And then also, if we can, uh, put some of those charts and everything from my EQ and 360 if you want to check them out. But thank you guys so much for listening. Please don't forget to leave me a question. There's a link in the show notes. I want to talk about what you guys all are interested in. So please check out the show notes and do not forget to follow. And I'll see you guys next Tuesday. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.